Hey, welcome to our prophetic ministry class through Immersion Discipleship School. This is session one called the Prophetic Church. Now we're basically shifting into a new focus in this class based on our last class called Hearing God's Voice. In that class we talked about hearing God's voice personally and now we're focusing and drilling down more on hearing God's voice prophetically. And my goal in this, in this session is actually to convince you that everybody can prophesy. Not everybody's gonna, not everybody's a prophet, not everybody's prophetically gifted, but everybody can prophesy because of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And so that's gonna be my goal in this session called The Prophetic Church. And I also wanna remind you that my book called Prophesy is gonna be out soon, and you can go on Amazon.com, or you can go to our ministry website, which is bendixon.org, and you can get a copy of that book called Prophesy. Also, you can email us at our office. We'd be glad to send you the ebook for free. So just make sure to do that if you want to follow along some of these lessons in book form. And there's a lot more in the book as well that you're going to want to read about this ministry. But when we first focus on the prophetic church, and I told you what my goal was, I get the question all the time, Ben, why do you focus so much on hearing God's voice? And why do you focus so much on the prophetic gift and ministry? And the first easy answer to that is because it's basically the calling that God has given to me. And so I want to steward that calling well and be able to share what God has put in my heart, the things that I'm studying. So that's the primary answer that I give. But secondarily, as I begin to go through the book of Acts, something that I saw was not just the gift of teaching, but I saw the, the gift of prophecy, the prophetic ministry all throughout the book of Acts. Kind of, you know, Acts is the blueprint for the church. That We really don't have another blueprint. Now we're in the 21st century today, they're in the first century, so there are a lot of cultural and contextual things that are not the same. But we certainly want to extrapolate the principles and the precious blessings and gifts that God gave then and still gives now and be able to put them into our context as we plant churches, as we evangelize, as we make disciples. And as I read the book of Acts, they don't just emphasize the gift of teaching. And I think today, one of the things that we do in our church service is we emphasize the gift of teaching. And you'll see basically our church buildings, all of our chairs are pointed towards a stage where one person gets up and talks. And this is sort of the norm. It's very much like a lecture. It's not structured or organized for power or for many people sharing. This is sort of the thing that we do is we emphasize teaching. Now teaching is vital, teaching is important, but we also need the other gifts of the Holy Spirit. And when you go to the book of Acts and you basically just go chapter by chapter and you look at the gifts that they needed, the gifts that they exercised, the things that you see commonly in the book of Acts, which is our blueprint for the church, you will see the gift of prophecy consistently throughout that entire book. And I think that that is significant, which is really why I want to help convince you that we are a prophetic church and we are becoming a prophetic people. And we want to do that well, just as we look at the scripture and seek to reflect what not only we see there, but what we believe it says that God has given to us. Now, I want to first go over a basic theology of the prophetic church. And you know that Jesus walked with his disciples for three, approximately three and a half years in his ministry. And as he did that, he walked with them, he talked with them, he taught them about the kingdom, he empowered them, he gave them authority and power, and he, and he trained them, hands-on ministry training, to cast out demons, to heal the sick, to preach the gospel of the kingdom, to serve people. He really did give them hands-on training in the kingdom of God. And so Jesus, at the end, uh, at the end of his, his ministry, he begins to prepare his disciples. He goes to the cross. 
He obviously dies and he rises again. And after he rose from the dead, he had several conversations. One would be the Great Commission, Matthew chapter 28, Mark chapter 16, Luke 24. And we see also in the book of Acts, verse, chapter 1, verse 8, where Jesus tells them to go into Jerusalem and wait for the promise of the Father. And he says, not many days from now you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit and you shall be my witnesses in Judea, uh, Jerusalem, Samaria, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the world. And he tells them to go into Jerusalem and wait so that they could receive this power. Well, in Acts chapter 2, verse 1 through 4, the Bible shows us that that's exactly what they did. So they're in this house. They're all there together in one accord. We believe that they're praying. And all of a sudden, on the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit is poured out on this group of 120 people. And it says that a mighty rushing wind came into the room. It said little flames of fire that looked as appeared as like tongues of fire begin to rest on each person. And then they begin to speak with tongues, with languages that they had never learned before. And they begin to prophesy. Once they were in the house, and it doesn't tell us how, but they shift out into the marketplace, and they're speaking in all these different languages, and people from all different places are watching this, they're listening to this, and they're saying, how do these people know these languages? How are they praising God in our own tongue that they could have never learned? And if you count them, there's 13 different dialects that are being spoken that they never learned before, this group of people. And so some people are amazed at what the Holy Spirit is clearly doing. It's a supernatural event. But there are other people that are mocking and they're saying, these guys must be drunk. And in verse 15, Peter gets up to give the explanation of what actually is happening that people are observing. And this is what he says in Acts chapter 2, verse 15 through 21. He says, For these men are not drunk, as you suppose, for it is only the third hour of the day. And that's 9 a.m. But this is what was spoken of through the prophet Joel. And it shall be in the last days that God says that I will pour forth of my spirit on all mankind. And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men shall dream dreams. And even on my bond slaves, both men and women, I will in those days pour forth of my spirit and they shall prophesy. And I will grant wonders in the sky above and signs on the earth below, blood, fire, and vapor of smoke. The sun will be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the great and glorious day of the Lord shall come. In verse 21 he says, And it shall be that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And this we see at the very birth of the church that as the Holy Spirit is poured out, Peter gets up and he quotes from Joel chapter 2, which is what we just read. He said, this is the explanation of what you're seeing. That This moment right now is the culmination of a prophecy that was spoken hundreds of years ago. And this is incredible. This is why they were excited. This is why they were ecstatic. This is why that joy had filled their heart. Why people looking at them and the way that they were behaving thought that they must be drunk because in a moment these people who were encountering the power of of the Spirit, the outpouring of the Spirit, realized that this moment of history had come upon them and they get to participate in it. And that would make anybody joyful to the point of expression, to the point where other people would see that and go, I, what in the world is going on with these people? They've got to be 
got to be drunk. And I think we have to understand the significance of this moment. Some people would call this the day that the church was born. Other people would say Acts chapter 10 in the house of Cornelius when the Gentiles were added to the church, that that was actually the day that the church was born. Either way, this is where believers, 3,000 believers were added to the church right after Peter gets up and gives his first sermon. This is an incredible moment and at the birth of the church, at least as we understand it from a Jewish perspective, we see that it is spoken over the church that they shall prophesy, young and old, men and women, they shall prophesy. And there's a few things I want to look at in this passage. And the first one is that the Spirit has been poured out on all. This is what we see here being said. In the Old Testament, only people of position were empowered by the Spirit. Nobody was indwelt with the Spirit. It's debatable as to whether or not John the Baptist was indwelt with the Holy Spirit, but regardless of that being maybe an exception, or that's debatable of course, nobody was indwelt, born again of the Holy Spirit. But the only people that were empowered by the Spirit were people that were given a specific assignment or had a certain kind of authority. It was an assignment on their life. It was a position of leadership. And so we see that in the Old Covenant, prophets, priests and kings were the three people or the three categories of people that could experience the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. And the reason that they did experience the empowerment was because of the task and the assignment that God had given them. And we know this because in Psalm 51.1, David, after he had sinned by committing adultery with a woman that was married and having her husband killed, and later on, you know, obviously she became pregnant, this gross and terrible sin that David had committed, he writes a lament psalm in Psalm 51, and he basically says this, Do not cast me away from your presence, and do not take your Holy Spirit from me. He says, don't take your Holy Spirit from me. He's tasted of the Holy Spirit. He's experienced the anointing and the power of the Holy Spirit as a king. He knows what it's like. He knows what, it's, what it feels like. But he also knows that in his actions, he's misrepresented God in his kingship. That he did what he should not have done. He was, in a, he was a bad example of what a king was supposed to do and how a king was supposed to live. And so he basically writes this psalm saying, do not take your Holy Spirit from me. But in the new covenant, the Lord is not going to take his Holy Spirit from us. The Bible says, well, Jesus says this in the Gospels, I will never leave you nor will I forsake you. Jesus will not leave us. It's debatable as to whether or not we can leave him, but he will not take his Spirit from us. This is not something that God does. But when we're talking about Acts chapter 2, this empowerment that they experience with the supernatural phenomena, they spoke in tongues, they prophesied, this was not for the common person. This was not for the average. In fact, this was not even for women. You just barely ever see a woman experience any kind of empowerment of the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament. And if you did, it was an exception. It was not the norm because women did not hold places of leadership. Outside of, of Deborah being a judge in the Old Testament, you just simply don't see it. And so this moment means that the Holy Spirit was being poured out on all. And that means men and women. It also means Jew and Gentile. It's not just a Jewish thing. This was a prophecy about the Holy Spirit being poured out on also Gentiles, which was to come. We see that fulfillment in Acts chapter 10. And the second thing I want to observe from this passage is that everyone will be able to prophesy. All will be able 
to prophesy. In the Old Testament, only the prophets, the priests, and the kings were the ones that heard the voice of God in a regular way. Once again, it was positional. It was not relational. In the New Covenant, now hearing the voice of God is relational and not positional. So it shifts. And this is where Jesus would say in John chapter 10, verse 27, my sheep hear my voice. I know them and they follow me. And we can move on even from this, that we don't just hear the voice of God personally, but we can also hear the voice of God prophetically because the Bible just told us as sort of the fulfillment of Joel chapter 2, Peter reads Acts chapter 2, and he basically says that they will prophesy. All will prophesy. And prophecy, to prophesy, is not some like new interpretation of prophecy. Okay, it's not like in the New Covenant, now prophecy means something different than it did in the Old Testament. No, in the Old Testament, that is our only understanding of what prophecy is. Now, does the role of a prophet change? Yes. Are we going to talk about that in the weeks to come? Yes, we are. Because God has, has, has a different means by which he now communicates with us. It's not just through a prophet or a mediator, because we all now are indwelt with the Holy Spirit, and we can all prophesy. But some things have shifted, and it's very important to know that. The consequences of the outpouring on all people means that all people can hear God and all people can prophesy according to what we read in Scripture. So our theology of prophecy is defined by our, th our theology of the Holy Spirit. And this is so important. If you remember our spiritual gifts class, I talked to you about three categories of gifts. There are ministry gifts. That's apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher. That's in Ephesians chapter 4. There are motivational gifts in Romans chapter 12. There's seven of those gifts, and everybody has a motivational gift, at least one. And then in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, there are manifestational gifts. These are nine gifts of the Holy Spirit. And I believe that all people can minister in the gifts of of the Holy Spirit, the manifestation gifts in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And the reason that we believe that is because five times the Apostle Paul says in that letter, in that context of conversation, he says, when you gather, and he's giving the specific conversation around the gathering of believers. When you gather, the Holy Spirit will distribute as he wills. So these gifts, manifestation gifts, are not for our possession. They're the Holy Spirit's expression. And the more that we learn how to receive and minister in these gifts, prophecy being one of them, we will become more and more increasingly effective, not only in the church, but also in the world around us. And my point today is just simply to say that the theology that I'm teaching and that I, I believe we should, that we should all have is that everyone can prophesy. God is going to speak to us and he's going to speak through us and we want to set our expectation properly based on what we read and scripture. You can prophesy because the Holy Spirit lives in you and because he comes upon you to be a witness of Jesus Christ. You can prophesy because you represent Jesus and you speak from him and not just for him. And therefore, we are a prophetic people because of the outpouring, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. So the question that I have is, have you been baptized with the power of the Holy Spirit? If you haven't been baptized with the power of the Holy Spirit, if you haven't received an outpouring of the Spirit of God on your life, then you need to ask the Lord for that. We need to ask the Lord for that. Yes, we want to live Spirit-filled every day. We want to live in such a way that God would fill us and give whatever we need to us for the people around us in that day. We want to do that every day, but there's an activation point. We call it the baptism, which means to be dipped, to be immersed, to be submerged into the power 
of the Holy Spirit. You can have the Holy Spirit and be born again without having the baptism with the Holy Spirit. You'd have to go back to my previous classes to learn more about that. But suffice it to say that this is something that we have established very well. Now what I want to do for the remainder of our session is I want to talk to you a little bit about what prophecy is. In order for us to prophesy, we need to know what prophecy is. And prophecy is the function of someone speaking what God is saying. It's the function of someone speaking what God is saying. And there are two ways to look at this. And we see this from the Old Testament. We also see this from the New Testament. The first is to foretell. And that means that we speak forth the present priorities of God, the mind of God, the heart of God for the situations that are right in front of us. That's the first element of prophecy. The second element of prophecy is to foretell. And that literally means to speak something before it happens. We see a lot of this in the Old Testament. We see some of this in the New Testament. The prophet Agabus speaks about things before they happen. And we know that God still does, does this today. There are some cautions on some of that because there's differences between Old Testament prophets and New Testament prophets, but God still allows us to foretell as much as he does foretell. So prophetic people basically see, hear, and speak what God is communicating to them for other people. The word prophesy is defined by speaking, not by hearing. When we talked about hearing the voice of God, that's the revelational aspect of the prophetic. But what we know is that prophecy or prophesying is defined not by the receiving, not by the hearing, but it's actually defined by the speaking. So if you hear from God a prophetic word for another person or a people or a church or a situation or a region, but you don't speak it, you haven't prophesied. And that prophecy needs to come forth. That pro we need to learn how to get out what God has put in, which is really the point of me trying to convince you that all can prophesy. According to Scripture, as we've discussed, there are different aspects of the prophetic, which is really what I want to partially explain to you and really go over over the next several weeks. But first is, is there are prophets there are prophetically gifted people, and there's a prophetic anointing. Ministry gifts is Ephesians 4. There are prophets, and prophets' primary role is to equip the church for the work of ministry, and their work of ministry is prophesying. And so their job is to equip the people of God to prophesy. As Acts chapter 2 says we can prophesy, there are leaders who are specifically gifted prophets for that work to equip us. They also prophesy. They have the authority in local churches, regions, nations, internationally. There are different levels of anointing for a prophet. Some just have the anointing for a local church. Some have the authority and the anointing for a region. Some for the nation, some internationally. We actually see that in the Old Testament as well. There were some prophets that only spoke to Israel. There were some prophets that spoke to other nations. They had an international prophetic mantle or prophetic office. The same is true, at least in that regard, in the New Covenant, in the New Testament as well. And so we see that this is a reality, but no, not everybody's a prophet, and not everyone, not people, we shouldn't aspire to be a prophet. It's something that we receive as a calling if this is what God has given to us. The, the way in which you define the difference between a prophet and a prophetically gifted person is really by the issue of authority. God gives them a unique authority 
for leadership within the local church and beyond. They're also prophetic, a prophetic gift, and we see this in the motivational gift list in Romans chapter 12. And this is where God has given somebody to be a perceiver, and they're always thinking about what God is saying. And other people are thinking differently. They're thinking, what is God saying? What is God saying about this situation? And what is God saying for this person? And, and the way that I would, I would actually illustrate that somebody has a prophetic gift, it's kind of like a faucet. And a faucet that's always turned on, like you never have to turn it on. You don't actively have to ask. If you're prophetically gifted, you receive from the Lord prophetic words for people or churches or regions or whatever. You receive them without really having to ask because it's just part of what God has given to you. It's installed into your hard drive. Everybody also can prophesy because the whole church has a prophetic anointing. And what I mean by that, it's the difference between the person having the faucet that's always turned on and everybody else that doesn't have the prophetic gift but can prophesy just simply has to turn it on when they seek to prophesy. So they could be praying for somebody and they could simply say, God, would you give me a word for this person? And as God speaks to them, then they speak out what God is saying to them. And this is usually the difference. A person that doesn't have to turn it on because it's constant, it's consistent, and a person that does have to turn it on, or they, have to, they have to ask God and God is faithful to give us what we need situationally for the people in front of us in the situation in front of us as well. And so that's a little bit of a definition. I actually think it works very well with the ministry, motivation, and manifestational gifts. But this is what most of us are going to have is a prophetic anointing because we're a prophetic people, a prophetic church. But look what the Apostle Paul says to the Corinthian church in a conversation about spiritual gifts. 1 Corinthians 14, 1 through 3. He says this, follow the way of love and eagerly desire spiritual gifts, especially the gift of prophecy. For anyone who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men but to God. Indeed, no one understands him. He utters mysteries with his spirit. But everyone who prophesies speaks to men for their strengthening, encouragement, and comfort. On a basic level, the prophetic gift will do these three things. It will strengthen, it will encourage, it will comfort. To strengthen means to build up, to encourage means to stir up, and to comfort means to cheer up. These are the three aspects of what the, of what the healthy, functioning ministry, prophetic ministry, will provide for a local church. And I just think, I sort of think like this, what would the church look like if we had a healthy prophetic gift and a healthy prophetic ministry? What, what would it look like? I mean, how much would it cut down on the need for other things? I just think that if we began to not only receive, but also release the prophetic in a healthy way, we would actually, I, in some ways, I think we wouldn't need as much counseling because in one word, we would be able to receive God's mind, God's heart, or at least the next step. I think that it would, it would counterbalance some of the things that we often flock toward or seem to need in the culture that we're a part of today. I think that God has given us so much in the spiritual gifts but we've got to get to a place where they're functioning in a healthy way, in a biblical way, which is what we simply want to restore. We want to restore biblical prophecy, not feel-good prophecy, not our idea of prophecy, not just have really great, exciting, hype-filled meetings. We want the biblical prophetic gift. We want the biblical prophetic office, and we want the fruit that follows that very gift. And so this is the whole purpose of really talking about this, but this is sort of an explanation of what prophecy actually is to prepare us 
to minister prophetically. Now, just a few moments on how prophecy works. God communicates to us in different ways. In the previous class, I talked to you about nine different ways that God communicates from obviously through the Bible, impressions, visions, dreams. He speaks through other people. He speaks through thoughts. He speaks through the angelic. He speaks through... Um, there were other ones. Anyways, I forgot all of them. But there are nine different ways that I teach that God communicates. And I think it's important to know this because when you go to prophesy, there are basically three ways in which we receive. I kind of want to reduce it down to that. Pr prophetic people are when we go to prophesy, we see something, we hear something, or we feel something. Now the word feeling is, is, can be an offensive word in some Christian culture. And so I don't mean like we go by our feelings. I just mean it's kind of like a sense or a discernment. So I'm using the word feel kind of loosely. So go with me. We see, we hear, and we feel. When we see something, we're talking about visions. We're talking about seeing pictures. There are a lot of seers in the body of Christ, a lot of people that are seeing things that God is showing them, like internally. Uh, they see them in their heart, just kind of a visionary experience. And sometimes externally with our own eyes. There are a lot of people that have that experience um, as well. Sometimes while I'm praying for people, like I was praying for someone not long ago, and I just had a picture of two women right next to them on, the, on her right side. And, uh, and I just knew this one woman that was standing behind the, the lady was reaching out for her. And I asked the Lord, as I'm praying for her, what that meant. And it was like I heard the Lord kind of give me a phrase. And he said that this is her mom who really is reaching out toward her, even though it seems to her like she's not. And so I said this to her. What I didn't know was this girl was basically getting on a, on a plane the next day to go to visit her mom, really from a sense from the Lord. But they have been in an irreconcilable relationship for a long time. And so she, of course, lost it and was super encouraged. And it was really, really powerful. And we prayed over the restoration of relationship, but the Lord showed that to me, and I spoke out what I saw, and this, this actually happens to me fairly regularly. I'm a seer in that sense. I see visions when I pray for people. I see visions when I pray for churches. It's actually fairly regular, and this is something that you'll experience when you actually step out into the prophetic, when you begin to ask God for prophetic words. One of those, the ways, the primary ways that he'll speak to you is through visions, pictures. These can be like a movie clip, or where the picture is just an ongoing clip of something you see, but it can also just be a simple picture. I see a lot of those as well, and a lot of people around me do also. So we see something, we feel something, and this, this can look like, you know, an impression. It can be internal, it can be external. We have an impression, like we have a sense that something's wrong with this, or something's going on with that person, or something great. Sometimes I'll actually be walking uh, down the hall in my church, and I'll look at somebody, and I can't tell you that anything's changed with them. There's no way on the outside to tell that something's different. But I have this internal sense that God has them in a season of encouragement where they're accelerating in their development. I could just see. I sense it. I don't know how to explain it. Like I just this sense inside me that, that they're really growing. They're taking steps, leaps and bounds. And they're in a season of acceleration. And so I've just learned when I sense that to walk up to somebody and say, I don't know how to explain this to you, but I really have this feeling like God has you in a season of acceleration where you're growing and you're developing. And he's really pleased with the steps that you're taking. And of course, when I say that, they light up like a Christmas tree and they just say, yeah, that's, that's really encouraging that you would say that because I really feel like the hand of God on my life right now. And there is really something happening. And here 
here's the thing. It's kind of like walking through the airport. If you see something, say something, all right? But also, if you feel something, we should say it. And the point of prophesying is to learn how to get it out of your heart, to get it out of your mind and share it. And you can share it in a way, which we'll talk about, that doesn't have to label everything as of God, 100% accuracy and all that. You just share humbly in an entreatable way where people can dialogue with you, especially if you're starting out. But prophecy works. We see something. We feel something. Additionally, we also hear something. Now, we are talking about like an internal voice. We're talking about sometimes an audible voice for some people. But a lot of times when I get an internal voice, I basically just hear phrases. And the Lord will give me a phrase to say something specific to a person. I want you to tell them that, that I'm going to make their their cousin or their friend or their spouse okay. And I've had the Lord say, just tell them that I'm going to make this okay. In fact, I was in I was in Turkey one time with some of our missionary friends and we went to the Blue Mosque, which is a very historical site. And we're out there and there was a, a cleric of some kind, an imam or a cleric, and he came out and he basically just started debating with us because he thought we might be Christian and he was right. And we weren't having any signs or there was no way to tell that we were Christians. So it was, it was odd that he knew that, but he started debating with us essentially. And um, my friend's talking to him in, in his language and I didn't understand, of course. So I'm sitting there and my friend looks over at me and he says, hey, could you, did, has God given you anything? Because he was pretty much tired of debating with the person. And I was praying and I, I just had this sense. The Lord spoke to me about his son. He has a son and his son is not well. And I want you to tell him that his son is going to be okay. And so I basically just did that. I said, sir, it's like the Lord spoke to me and said that you have a son and he wants me to tell you that your son is going to be okay. And just as I said that, his phone started ringing and he pulled out his phone and he's looking at, he's listening to me and he's looking at his phone. He's listening to me. He's looking at his phone and it was his son that was calling him. I guess his son had been bedridden for some time. He had a serious illness and it looked like he had almost died a few times. And so after he picks up the phone, he talks to his son, basically saying, are you okay? Blah, 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 whatever. He gets off the phone and then he opens up with us. Now he's just a father. He's not a Muslim imam or cleric or whatever. He's just a father speaking to us and revealing uh, where he's at, the vulnerabilities of his heart, and how he feels about his boy. And it's just really powerful. We got to pray for him, and, uh, and we just know that God planted a massive seed in his life. But the reality is, is that we, we see something, we feel something, and we hear something. When we hear phrases like that, you never know what you're carrying for another person. You never know how powerful that it truly, truly can be. It says, Jesus heard what the Father was saying, and he only said what he heard the Father say. And so the Father would speak to Jesus and Jesus would speak out what the Father was saying. And we want to have that, that, that very thing happen in our life. What is the Father saying to us that he wants to say through us to other people? This is the essence of prophetic ministry, is the voice of God coming through us to touch and bless and strengthen and love on other people. And I believe that we are a prophetic community. We are a prophetic people. We are a prophetic church. If you believe in Jesus... And you've obviously, because of that, received his Holy Spirit. He indwells you now at this point in your life. But you also need to receive, we need to receive the baptism with the Holy Spirit, which is the power of God to represent Jesus in the life that we live. And when we receive the baptism with the Holy Spirit, it says in Acts chapter 2 that you shall prophesy. And additionally, in 1 Corinthians 14, as we just read, it says 
It says, pursue love, yet earnestly desire spiritual gifts, especially that you might prophesy. Do you desire spiritual gifts, especially the prophetic? When's the last time you felt like you desired it, you longed for, you were hungry for the prophetic? Why would we be hungry for the prophetic? Because we see the power and the potential that it has to change someone's life. One word from God can change someone's life. This is why I teach about the prophetic. This is why I talk about the prophetic. And this is why I prophesy. It's not to be a person that seems spiritual to others. It's not because I'm more gifted than other people. It's because when I read scripture, and obviously I see it happen, as scripture says, I've, I've watched the prophetic ministry, the prophetic gift, change people's lives, especially in the church. It encourages, it strengthens, it comforts, and we need this more and not less. So I want to encourage you first, ask God to be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Receive the activation that only comes through His power. And then secondarily, begin to ask God, as it says in 1 Corinthians 14, hunger for the prophetic. Ask God for a new hunger for the prophetic so that you would see people blessed, that you would see people comforted, that you would see people encouraged. And watch what the Lord will do. And then, of course, thirdly, let's just keep going through our sessions, unfolding this issue, talking about this very crucial ministry. And as we do that, I believe that God will help shape us into healthy prophetic people, a healthy prophetic community where this ministry is fruitful and beneficial to all, which is what we really want. But for now, let me pray for you, and I look forward to our next sessions. May God bless you. Father, I thank you for every person that is watching this. I thank you for all the students in this class. And I just pray, God, that you would bless and strengthen. I pray that you would give a, us a hunger to prophesy, that we would pursue love. And by pursuing love and wanting people to be blessed and strengthened, we would eagerly desire the prophetic gift. And I pray, God, for an impartation over every person that is taking this class. I, I pray as we unfold the issue of the prophetic ministry and gift that you would show us things that we've not known before and you would open up this arena to us where we've never stepped out before. And for those that are stepping out, I pray that they would, you would increase their prophetic hearing and their prophetic speaking so that more people would be blessed and we would be simply a testimony to Jesus because the spirit of prophecy is the testimony of Jesus. And so, Lord, we just thank you and we pray that you would bless this class and our time together for your glory in Jesus' name. I look forward to our next class together, guys. God bless you. Yeah, we'll